Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. Is Friday Game Changers taking your business to the next level? Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I never realised what PTSD was. I never really, I've kind of read about it, but I understood it because it was happening to me. And also, go with your gut instinct. You, you, you'd be surprised how much you actually know yourself and go with your gut because sometimes it, it, it's the best option no matter what. Hi, I'm Dr. Joan Martini, and you are listening to Kizzy's Friday's Game Changer. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. My guest this week is business game changer Simon Colton, founder of One's Trainers. Now, Simon was inspired to create the brand after suffering depression when he was caring for his seven-month-old daughter who'd just been diagnosed with leukemia. She went on to make a full recovery and the brand encapsulates the need to take one step at a time. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Simon Colton to uncover his secrets of game-changing success. It's Friday, I'm Kizzy, and this, well, it's Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn, and innovate. Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aide-Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey, everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. Welcome to the show. This week, I have the privilege of spending some time with Simon Colton, founder of One's Trainers. Now, Simon founded One's Trainers after his little girl Mia was diagnosed with leukemia at just seven months old. The experience was life-changing for Simon and his partner, Anjana. 
Mayhew, huh? They left their day jobs to become round-the-clock carers for Mia, spending lots of time at Birmingham's Children's Hospital, having to watch their daughter endure a gruelling treatment plan, which included uh, lumbar punches, bone marrow operations, blood transfusions, x-rays, and chemotherapy drugs. Well, happily, Mia was discharged after nine months, but she still had two years of continued chemotherapy treatment at home. With Simon working for Dreams Furniture Manufacturer and being predominantly based in the Far East and Angina's work 15 minutes away, they made a very important decision as a family that Simon would become a stay-at-home dad to look after Mia and his better half would return to work. That's when One's Trainers was created. Simon, it's amazing to have you join me. Hi there, how are you doing? I am fine, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation for such a long time. Pick up the conversation for me, pick up the story. Um, Mia's been discharged, Angela's working 15 minutes away, and your work constantly takes you to the Far East. What happened next? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously when you're working away a lot, uh, it's hard to be away from your family anyway, but imagine being in a situation where your daughter is you know, constantly ill, constantly sick. She's been given a 50% survival rate till the, till the age of five. You, you just don't want to be away from your family. The anxiety just to be away for a couple of hours was, was hard enough. So to be away and working away for a couple of weeks or a month at a time was just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't feasible. It just didn't fit right. So I chose to be the stay-at-home dad. Wow. And when you made that decision, um, did you actually have a business plan in mind? Did you have something that you thought, this is what I'm going to be focusing on? No, not at all. I mean, you know, some of the decisions you make when you're going through such a, a traumatic experience and journey that we've been on, it, you don't plan any further than sometimes just the, the day ahead, the week ahead, Kizzy. So you don't look that far. When I gave up my uh, role in December 2018, I didn't think it was going to be for forever. I just thought it was going to be for a couple of months um, while we got back home and then things had turned back to some sort of normality, but that just wasn't the case. And you know, that's why we had to make a, a very bold and life-changing, another life-changing decision in, in our in our journey. Uh, and it just made sense. It made sense for Anne to return to work. She's 10 or 15 minutes down the road and I become stay-at-home dad. On paper, you know, it was the absolute perfect sense. Um, we just didn't realise what that was going to lead into. When you said to Ange, look, I'm going to stay at home and find something to focus on did she have any ideas of what you what you could possibly look at no not not at all I, I you know i thought i'd probably pick up some uh, some sort of consultancy work and stuff because i've got quite a good you know manufacturing and quality supply chain background that that's what i was doing um but me you know me was a full-time job it, she wasn't she was a baby still so you know it was already a full-time job to look after a, a toddler now she's now a toddler at home but then you've also got on top of that, you've got, um, you know, being at home uh, that she's sick with cancer. So she's constantly being sick. Then she's constantly going to hospital, constantly doing different things. So, you know, it was, it was a really tough decision, but you didn't expect the, the, the ride that was going to come with it. I didn't expect to be at home looking after me. So to think about anything business-wise was almost, uh, was almost impossible. So how did the idea for one's leisure trainers come up then? So through 2018 was the, was the time I was looking after Mia. Um, you know, becoming a stay-at-home dad for me, um, 
it, it didn't go very well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an alpha male and, you know, I'm, I'm the breadwinner of the family. That's how I've always been brought up. That's how I was brought up when I was, a, when I was a grown up at home, my, my parents, my brothers and sisters. So to then not just being the stay at home dad, but also I've become isolated. I've become isolated in my own home. Mia was sick, as I said. So you, you, you were too frightened to take her out because you get infection. You were too frightened to invite anybody around because of risk of infection. So slowly and slowly, I've become isolated in my own home. Um, you know, I've gone from traveling abroad and being fairly global traveling to being stuck in your own home. And there's nothing worse than feeling like a prisoner. Um, and that's when my own mental health started to deteriorate. And I had time to think. I had time to think a lot of being at stuck at home. And the nine months we was in hospital, Kizzy, was, was hell. That's the best way I can explain it, it was hell. There were, we feel very blessed that we left and come home with Mia. We met a lot of families because we was in there such a long time that their little boys and girls didn't make it. But when you're in the in that nine months in the bubble, you don't really think about it. You haven't got time to think about it. Then all of a sudden you're at home with all this time to think about it. And it, it, I never realised what PTSD was. I never really, I kind of read about it, but I understood it because it was happening to me that the, the pressure, the anxiety, the, the, the trauma and the depression, the fear of losing my daughter um, was just compounding and it was, it was driving me further and further down. And I ended up losing my own sense of self-worth, my own sense of self-purpose. Um, I, I hated who I'd become. I'd just become like a burden. That's how I felt. Um, and, and, and every typical man, you know, will sort of tell you this, that I did nothing about it. I just, you know, kind of kept saying to my parents and my, 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 my lovely wife, Ange, that everything's fine. I'm good. I'm good to go. But actually inside I was crumbling. I was falling apart. Um, so I needed, I needed to find something. I went to see a therapist. I've I, I got enough about me to actually say, right, I need help. I put my hand up and I went and fetched help and I got help, which was the best thing I ever did, Kizzy. I wish I'd done it sooner, but hey, you know, I, I did it. Um, and she gave me the, she, she helped me manage my mental health issues. She helped me get the coping mechanism in place. And, and you know what she did? She, she, she got me to understand that the job that I was doing, looking after Mia, was the most important job in the world. And I'd lost sight of it. That's what the problem was. But even she said, look, so you, you, need to, you need to find a challenge. You need to do something that's for yourself. So I thought, right, okay, I need a purpose. And, you know, I wanted to sink into whatever I did. I wanted to sink in the, the anxiety, the trauma, the depression, the fear of losing my daughter. I wanted to put it in something that, was, that had a purpose. I wanted to use my pain for a purpose. Uh, and as I think you've already said in, in the intro that, you know, our journey, we've had to learn how to take one step at a time. We've had to walk again. There were some days where we could, we didn't even know what the day was going to hold. So, you know, we, that one step at a time was a very significant part of the journey. And I wanted to represent it. And what best way to represent taking a step than footwear? Um, and that's where kind of the idea came from. And that, that's where the synergy came from and the whole taking one step at a time. And, you know, and I thought to myself, okay, you know, I've, I've worked abroad. I've, I, know, I know enough people, I know enough connections. And I thought, I'm going to do this. And I spoke to some people I know in branding and, and marketing. And, and it, we took it from there. Um, we started then to build this, this and create the brand. Um, and that was at the back of 2018 after such an awful traumatic nearly two years. 
I'm just trying to imagine the size of this mountain that you're standing in front of, because on one hand, you're having to cope with what, what is probably the most traumatic um, event that any of us can imagine, um, your daughter being ill. And then you, you, you decide that you want to launch yourself into a business that you have absolutely no knowledge of whatsoever. You have no background in it. You don't seem to have any friends who are in the shoe business. How did you overcome this complete lack of knowledge of, of, of the industry and the actual job you want to get into? Um, I, I've always found that in my career, you know, you, you've got to be honest to yourself and you've got to be honest to see what your skill sets are. And you've got to be honest where your weaknesses are. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to travel quite a lot and meet a, a wide range of people. And, yes, the shoe business side of it, I had absolutely no experience in. But the operational side, you know, making product, getting it shipped, the quality side of it, all that I've been doing for nearly 30 years. So, you know, all that side, the operational side, actually didn't fear me. I was actually looking forward to it because it was going back to what I know. What I needed to do, I needed to find somebody I could get on board that was from that background. And, you know, I was lucky enough to spend many a breakfast and an evening glass of wine with a, a, guy, a guy named Doug Sheringdon from Canada. And he's a massive innovator and a game changer within the trainer industry. He's worked for Adidas, Nike, and he's worked with Innovator. Very, uh, they work at Manchester University developing new products and new formulas for, for souls and stuff. And I phoned him and said, look, I've got this, this idea. I've got this vision. I've got this uh, thought. I've got these designs. And luckily, he loved it. He loved the concept. He loved the idea. He loved what, what it, the purpose of it. And he helped me uh, take the drawings and the vision and make trainers. And he got a factory in China that he works with. And they kindly helped me produce trainers and produce samples through 2019 to, to, come, to come up with, you know, our finished product. So, you know, it's about being honest. It's about bringing on people that are, that are skilled in their area that you can trust. That's interesting, isn't it? And also the fact that you, you were also looking for the transferable skills that you already had and so with that in one hand and the fact that you're able to be honest about your own shortcomings and find ways to bridge those gaps that kind of means that you were setting yourself up to to start a business and you in reality you could have started a business doing anything but trainers just seem to fit the, the occasion yeah I, th I think it just fit with the whole taking one step at a time you know when you when you think about it and, it, and it's so relevant when we you listen to anybody having a conversation you listen to anybody talk and a lot of times i say yeah we, we just have to take one step at a time or you know we put one foot in front of the other it's it's something we say every day and we just say it as a as a, as a whim or we just say it just to explain something we actually we actually had to do it. We actually had to take one step at a time. We, we, we had to learn how to do it again. And I don't sound silly, we had to learn, but we did physically and mentally. We had to, you know, sort of reinvent ourselves. So the trainers or, or the footwear was just, was just a natural thing. And I think I've, I've always been to my fitness and training, so I've bought lots of trainers in my time. So I love footwear as well. Um, you know, because before we actually went for the branding and everything else, I did look and think I was, gonna, I was actually just going to buy some products and sell it with no meaning, no purpose, it, you know, and, it, and that evolved into this brand. So it's, you know, you kind of, 
you kind of have to go through different avenues before you start thinking, okay, that's not going to work, but this will. And and then you start talking to some people that say, oh, it's about branding. It's about making it worth something. And and, and then, you, then you have to think about the why and why you do it. And it's something I talk about a lot these days. I do a lot of mentoring with, the, with Birmingham City University and I say to all the grads and the students, what's your why? What's your purpose? And I think that's, that's where it comes from. So what would you say was the most unexpected obstacle you were faced with when starting ones? And how did you overcome it? Um, uh, it's, a, it's a cliche, because but covid um, the pandemic was were devastating for ones, um, as I just kind of alluded to. By the end of two thousand nineteen, um, we'd got products signed off. We got our three products that we chose signed off for the for the for, for the factory. We we're just going for the, the finishing touches. So as we were going into two thousand and twenty, we were ready to launch. We were trying to fix a launch date for August September twenty twenty, and that was kind of that was the plan. You know, we we kind of put that into our into our goal and our objective. Um, but obviously then, as we went into 2020, we all, we all know what happened in 2020. It was a, it was a write-off. Um, you know, so COVID came along, and I'm sure you'll speak to anybody in business, they've had to, you know, they've had to change what we do. I mean, look, look what we do now. We, we hybrid work. We do Teams calls. You know, we were forced into this more virtual way of meeting and, and doing business, which is a good thing. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a real... It was a real blow for us, really, because we, we invested our own money into this as well. Um, and then as the COVID sort of went through, so we got to August, September, obviously the, the, the launch date came and, and it went. Um, but then the factory that I was, I was using and, and working with, they went into some really financial um, issues from a point of view where they couldn't support me with the terms and conditions pre-COVID. Um, so I found myself at the back end of 2020 now without a factory. <laughs> so, you know, it, that was a real test of one's resolve after everything I'd been through, the mental health battles and everything else. We're now at the end of 2020, thought I'd be launched, you know, thought I'd be selling trainers and sitting on the beach in Bahamas maybe, but here we are in the middle of a pandemic and I've got no supplier. Um, but, you know, you dig deep and you, you kind of get back on the, on the phone and on the, on the, on the emails and, you know, we sourced another factory. But for that moment at the back end of 2020, Kizzy, I thought, I thought, this is it. I thought, all that work that we've done, all that effort we put into it is going to come to nothing. I can imagine that uh, this would have been one of those moments where you think to yourself, why didn't I take the blue pill? Why didn't I do the opposite? <laughs> do, do you know, Kizzy, that's a, that's, a, that's a fantastic analogy. I've not used that one, but uh, I've just wrote that down, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you gonna use it, honestly you could keep it I like um, it <laughs> during that time then did you I, I know you've mentioned um, Doug Sher is it Sheridan, um, Sheridan you, yeah. you spoke to in the States mm -hmm. um, did you have a mentor somebody you could call and you could say um, I think it's all gone pear shaped what's the next step did you have anybody to turn to like that yeah it was Doug, Doug actually became my mentor he did um, you know as I said to, I met him at uh, the beginning of 2019, as I said, with this with this vision and some drawings, I've got I've got a great, fantastic designer on board. By the way, uh, Katie Ridges, you know, she took my ideas and my really bad drawings of trainers and made proper, you know, proper drawing software and everything else. And so when I went to see, when I went to see Doug and met him in Manchester, he was over in the UK. I was able to present him with 
the branding, the vision, uh, and these great, fantastic, uh, proper, you know, drawings, CAD drawings that um, that Katie had done. And well, that that moment when he said, "Yeah, let's do this," he became my mentor and still is my mentor. You know, so I, I've I haven't spoke to him probably for a couple of months. We always have little conversations. How are you and stuff. But if I wanted to ask him a question about anything in that sort of world of trainers, whether it be product, materials, compounds, whatever it might be, Doug's on hand, and, and and that's what he does. He does support a lot of a lot of businesses around the around the globe from an innovation point of view. He's fantastic. If it wasn't for Doug's contacts, you know, when the when the factory said, "Look, we can't offer you the T's and C's," and when I say they can't offer, so. They were going to support by sending me over small batches of product on the backs of containers that they're already using. So my outlay would have been, you know, not not I'm saying not a lot of money, but not a grand scale of money. Um, but unfortunately, they couldn't do that because their orders had dropped off and they didn't have the containers going out. So then, when we did find other factories and Doug put me in, in touch with a couple, all the other factories because of the COVID, because of the pandemic. They wanted me to buy a container's worth of product. So we were going from ordering, you know, four or five hundred at a time to now ordering four and a half thousand to five thousand at a time. So not only was then finding a new supplier, I was also in a position when I went into 2021, beginning of last year, I now had to find investment that I hadn't budgeted for or hadn't even considered. And had you prior to um Prior to COVID, had you considered the option of seeking outside investors, people to put money into the business in return for perhaps a share of the business? I, I did. Um, what, what I've learned, you learn, we learn a lot of things on these journeys. I'm sure any entrepreneur or startup will tell you this. Um, to find investment at such an early stage, because if you remember, it's still a concept, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a product um, but it's still a concept. We haven't sold anything. We haven't got no orders. Um, you know, so for, to find an investor to invest in something that hasn't done anything yet was very, very difficult. The only thing that was available was what are called a startup loan. Um, but then the startup loan is actually then judged on your personal background, not your business background. So in theory, it's a loan, I suppose. Um, but it's the only way you could get some extra funding. So it was, it was very difficult to find funding. Um, and again, I am an, I am extremely lucky. This journey has pulled out with some fantastic, generous people. And I don't want to, I don't mean just financial generosity. I mean that there've been some great people on this journey. They've been very helpful, very supportive, and give up a lot of their time and knowledge and support. Um, but I've got some of the good friends that were that were willing to, to invest in the business, enable me to buy that container. And to enable to me to actually get you know carry on with that journey uh, and get the trainers over to the UK. Very important lesson there. Surround yourself with people who can see what you can see. I yeah. think we can all relate to that, Simon. But hold that thought. We're going to take a quick music break and come back to our conversation in just a few minutes. This week's boss star is 33-year-old Ghanaian entrepreneur Kenneth Hafiano. Now, Kenneth is the founder of Zabifa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta region, Ghana. But when Kenneth's not training people in the fine art of batik, he's also, I'm sure you'll agree, a very, very talented musician. Here he is performing Believe in You. Exclusive. They don't want to believe in me. 
How can I believe in them? They don't wanna believe in me. How can I believe in them? You don't wanna believe in me. How can I believe in you? You don't wanna believe in me. How can I believe in you? You don't wanna believe in me. How can I believe in you? You don't wanna believe in my dreams. How can I believe in your dreams? Yeah. Je connais tout ce qui m'a précisé, je connais qui m'a vu. Hi, I'm Ludwina Dordovic, the founder and CEO of The Room Exchange, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. Listen, learn, and innovate. A journey of a thousand miles begin with a step So get up, stand up, do something best for yourself You can't sit always and be asking for a help Man put it on your knees, forgot to put it on your head Believe in yourself and say that you can't Believe in yourself and say that you can't Believe in yourself and say that you can't We're going straight to the top They don't wanna believe in me How can I believe in them? They don't wanna believe in me Welcome back. Before the break, you're listening to Kenneth Hafiano, founder of Zabifa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Voto region, Ghana. And the track was called Believe in You. I love that song. I'm in the studio talking to Simon Colton, founder of One's Trainers. Now, Simon, I've got a note here that says that One's has committed. Huh, committed has two M's, by the way. God, you can't get the staff nowadays. One's has committed 10% of all their profits to Blood Cancer UK for research into kinder, effective treatments and to improve survival rates. How did this come about? Um, so 
when we sort of go back to sort of 2019 and we, you know, came up with this concept of footwear and, and everything else, we was going through the design stage and sort of getting the development on board. And we'd already done some uh, charity work and we'd already raised some money uh, for various charities. And, um, and you know, it, it felt great. It felt great to do something like that. It was, and that's when we kind of knew, both myself and Ange, we, we kind of knew that was part of the journey that we needed to, to sort of have on board. We had to have some sort of charity aspect. And at the time, we didn't really, we didn't know what that looked like. Anyway, we, we were doing some work with um, Children with Cancer UK. And we were talking to the CEO at the time, uh, Divya O'Connor, absolutely fantastic lady. Um and she gave us an article when we went to see her. This was the beginning of 2019, around there. And the article was a family very much like ours. Uh, and they're little, I think it was either six months or seven months old. So, so same age as Mia. And was diagnosed with the same as what Mia had, um, infantile acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And they were given exactly the same survival rates as what we were given. Now, this is... This was 2019. Now, that's not changed. So we're talking 14 years um, that that hasn't changed. But when you talk about leukaemia and you read all the bits and pieces and the paraphernalia and the, everything else, leukaemia has moved on massively over the last 30 years from almost non-survival rates to sort of now up to sort of 85, 90% survival rates, which is fantastic. It's an amazing achievement. You know, the research that these, these great organisations do. But... There's a big part of it where our babies weren't being thought about because when out of the four or 500 children that are diagnosed or, or, um, every year, there's only then a small proportion of babies diagnosed. So it's only a very small amount. I think it's only about 80 or 90 a year. Um, so they get missed. So the research and development for, for, the, for our babies would just, just wasn't being done. And that was the catalyst. We, we knew from that point that whatever we do, we need to be we need to be investing into that. So all of our fundraising that we do through Blood Cancer UK, and that's why we said, look, we'll do ten percent. I mean, I'd love to have done more, but you know, we have to be commercial as well as a as a as a charity sort of kind of brand. Um, and it go and that ten percent goes to uh, research and you know better uh, better drugs and, and everything else for uh, infantile acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And, and that's what we'll continue to do. We, we, we want to make a difference that 5% survival rate to the age of five. You know, if we can move that a few percent in the next couple of years, in the next 10 years, you know, going back to the purpose, it will feel, it will feel like our journey has had a purpose and it will feel like it's on the right track. So that's why we chose that. And we ended up working with Blood Cancer UK because um, we were talking to lots of different charities and we just love their we love their ethics. We love the way that they use their fundraising money into research and development and everything else. And we were very, very fortunate. We raised nearly £12,000 with fundraising. And at the end of last year, there was actually some um, some research being done into uh, infantile leukaemia at Edinburgh University. So our pot of money that we had we put into that particular research for that particular time in, in, in Edinburgh. And we actually went up and met the, 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 the scientists and everything else. We had a day there, all, all through Blood Cancer UK, um, because we see it as a partnership. We don't just put 10% in. We do a lot of work with them. Uh, we do a lot of work with them from a, 
a promotion point of view. We did a Christmas campaign with them because it's not just about raising funds. It's about raising awareness. You know, I'm sure that your listeners will be sort of absolutely mind blown that our babies are just being overlooked from a research point of view and development point of view when leukemia as a whole has moved on leaps and bounds. So that's, that's why the charity aspect of the brand is so important. That's really inspiring because um, you talk to a lot of business people and when we think about um, all of the uh, illnesses and diseases, you tend to feel that it's such a big issue that what difference can one person make? But I guess your story kind of reminds us that you can make a difference even if it's just to one other person. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so we've got a 50% survival rate on, on our babies, if you like, with leukaemia. Now, if we could get that that 50% survival rate up to 60%, you know, for how many how many babies are diagnosed? You know, we're we're looking at we're looking at six and seven babies' lives that we could potentially save, you know, just by a few percent, just by five or ten percent. You know, that's that's huge. You know, we shouldn't we should never put a value or percentage on somebody's life. I know we should never do that, but it's it, you know we have to try and make it measurable at the same time. But you know, if we can if we can make that difference just by a few percent and just save just just save a few more lives every few years, every ten years, whatever it's going to take, then then that then that's what it is. And I think it's important for us as a as a brand to be transparent. What we, what we've said all the way along is the transparency of it. Um, you know, you can go onto our, our Instagram page and, and look at the organic posts that we've done before we launched. And it's, it's about what we've done with Good Cancer UK. We also support and partnership with Ronald McDonald Charity House. You know, they're another fantastic charity. And, you know, on this particular journey with, without them, our journey in that nine-month stay in hospital would have been so much tougher, financially, physically, mentally. They gave us a home from home. And we stayed in their house in Birmingham for 225 nights, just to give you some idea how long Mia was in hospital for. Um, and they are a charity that gives families like us somewhere to stay near to, near to their child that is sick in hospital, free of charge. So we stayed there for 225 nights, for, for absolutely free. And it's it's an amazing, amazing charity. So Ange now sits on the board of governors as a parent governor. Uh, I'm an ambassador for the for the, the charity, so we also do a lot of charity work for Ronald McDonald's um, charity house as well. And, and I understand that uh, One's Leisures has three styles: the the Broughton, the Cantlow, and the Cooksley. That's right. What are they named after? So yeah, so um, when we came up with the three designs, um, obviously we you know people name their designs and so on. Um, so we needed three names, and you know it was the it was the easiest it was the easiest thing that we could have done. It was the easiest uh, part of the process of one of. So when we stayed in the two hundred and twenty five nights, I continued to work in the first sort of couple of months, uh, whereas Anne stepped away from her business immediately when Mia was diagnosed. So we gave up our room. The reason we gave up our room is because we had we 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 know parents that were sleeping outside in a car waiting for a room. I mean the Birmingham. Uh, so the Birmingham uh, Ronald McDonald Charity has got 66 rooms and they're constantly full, which is quite sad, really, because it just shows you how many six children there are at the hospital. Um, so we move rooms three times and they don't, they, don't, they don't got numbers. They don't have numbers. They have names on the doors and stuff to give it a bit more of a, of a warmer feel. And we stayed in the Cooksley, the Cantlow and the Broughton. So the, so the, the, the launch collection of ones is called the RMC range, which is the Ronald McDonald Charity. And then the, the three designs are named after the three rooms we've stayed in. 
Fantastic. And uh, I, I just think these things just all happen for a purpose. And look what's happened now. You've actually got a brand and you're spreading the word. And hopefully you're improving survival rates amongst children um, just because you realize that you could actually do something about it. Yeah, you know, you, you never know what your purpose is in life and you, you never know what's going to come along to, you know, change the direction that you do. And there's been so many sort of catalysts on this journey and, and so many platforms that, that have made us make these decisions uh, and some U-turns as well, to be honest. I think you have to do those as well. Um, but, I'm, I, it, you know, I'm here with the brand and we're launched and if I can use the brand to, to reach more people, it's about it's about awareness. If we can use that brand, the bigger the brand gets, the more awareness people are going to be about these charities, the more awareness they're going to be about lymph, uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. You know, and all these things, um, Ronald McDonald Charity, we'd never heard of, never heard of at all until we got until we were told about the room. And when I speak about it to, to in, in the presentations and, and talks that I do, most people in the room, unless you've actually been on the journey and, 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 and had to use the house or know a family that used the house, you do not know about these charities. And which is a good thing, because obviously you haven't had a sick child or whatever it might be. But the more awareness they get, the more the more they're gonna fundraise, the more people know about them and, and stuff like that. So you know, if I can use the brand, the, the one's brand as a platform to spread that word, then that then that, that's that's fantastic. Very admirable indeed. Um, look, we're at the part of the show that I've been looking forward to all week. This is a section we call uh, past, present and future. Now, the idea is quite simple. I asked you three really simple, harmless questions that will hopefully give us a unique insight into the mind of game changer Simon Colton. Now, will you submit to the program? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Um, you've got to imagine, this is the uh, past, present and future section. You've got to imagine that you're, you can hear a clock ticking in the background. That's the sound of time passing by second after second. Now, imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Simon Colton just starting out on his game-changing business journey. Now, I like Simon because Simon likes to ask questions. He asks you, he asks you for advice. He wants to know, in order to become a successful business person, Simon wants you to, you to tell him one thing he must always do in business and one thing he must never do. What do you tell him? Ooh. I've always said this to myself. Go with your gut instinct. You, you, you'd be surprised how much you actually know yourself and go with your gut because sometimes it, it, it's the best option, no matter what. So, yeah, that would be the thing for that. Um, uh, the other one is trust. Get people around you that you can trust because if you don't, it will pay dearly, both not not just financially, but it could pay dearly. I understand that completely. Um, the one about uh, going with your gut instinct that that has that has to relate to your level of self confidence. Um, when you were, I don't know, sixteen. I know you left school at sixteen. You mm -hmm. spent time on the building sites, and then you got yeah. some. You got did a stint with British Aerospace. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, were you hugely confident? No, not at all. 
Um, you know, we, we I had a, a tough upbringing, cancer state, um, two brothers, older brothers that were, you know, they, they were they were quite naughty. Imagine what it's like on a council estate. You know, we, we we didn't have a lot of money. You know, I always remember being a, a kid of maybe five or six, and I remember my mum's mum bringing us a food parcel around because we didn't have enough money to buy food. So, you know, then so when you start to move in business, yes, I left school at sixteen. I got just a, a labourer's job on that. Well, I was making the tea, labourer's job on the building. Um, great fun, but it was never going to take me anywhere. Um, and then I kind of, you know, you start to move around with different people and so on. And I started to move into a more engineering role because I've always been into cars and engineering and, and so on. Um, to, but then when I got sort of a team leader's role and I was, I started to move up into that sort of managerial role, my goodness, imposter syndrome all the time. I just didn't think I was worth being there. I didn't feel I fit there. And then, you know, you get invited to the boardroom to talk about your department and so on. And it, it was it was awful. The I, I used to shake when I talked. I used to just think that I just didn't belong there. It was a, it was tough. And, and I st- and you still get it. You get it all the way through life, especially when you become a, a, a businessman yourself. And you you know I sit in the room with people who've been in business for 20, 30 years in million pound businesses, and you know they talk to me about business, and I still have that that little itch in the back of my brain saying. Should you belong here? Should you be here? And that's imposter syndrome. And I, and I think I'll always have it. But at the same time, I also use it to push forward. I use it as a motivator because I never want to go back to where, where I came from, if, if that makes sense. I, I, not that there's anything wrong with it. I just want better for myself. I want better for my daughter. You know, I want to give my daughter the things that I wasn't able to have, a better education, you know, a, a better outlook in life, uh, more opportunities. Yeah, but I think that's something that we all aspire to, I think. Um, But I guess it's just looking in the mirror, being honest with yourself and also understanding what your shortcomings were, working on them and just getting better pretty much every day. I think, think because it really hit at that back end of 2018 when, you know, I'd, I'd worked so hard for 30 years to get at the top of my game. And I was, you know, I was... I was doing the stuff for dreams, but I was then also consulting for myself uh, out in the Far East. You know, it was a massive pinnacle in, in my career. Um, and then all of a sudden to give it all up, probably never to return to it, was a was a really tough, um, it was a tough pill to swallow. It really was. And I think that's what also made the being a stay-at-home dad harder on top of everything else because the imposter syndrome comes straight back what am I going to do now? Am I going to get back? Am I going to get back into that sort of role again? Am I ever going to get back into that role again? You know, and I'm sure that people have, that have been through these sort of mental health battles will tell you, or sitting there thinking, God, yeah, I know what that's like, because it's a, it's a dark place to be on top of everything else. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I didn't sort of say early on, but I kind of alluded to the fact that I was in such a bad place in 2018. You know, I come to the, I come to the point where, you know, I was suicidal by the back end of 2018 because of the fear, the anxiety, the trauma, the depression, the PTSD, the imposter syndrome. All these things was a massive weight and a massive burden on Simon's shoulders. And I, and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I just didn't know how to express it or get out of it. So at that time, 
somebody or something must have compelled you to seek help because quite often we hear these stories and they don't often end as well as yours. Yeah, I, you know, I get asked what, what, what was the turning point and my daughter, you know, I had these awful thoughts and then I saw my daughter and she just, you know, she was, she's obviously speaking, she's talking by now, she's kind of walking around and she comes up and I, I taught her how to, she learned how to say, every journey starts with one step, which is our company, uh, our brand ma mantra. And I remember the one day and she came in and she said, Daddy, he said, every journey starts one step. And I just knew from that moment that that was it. I just needed to, I needed to change the way I was thinking. I needed to do something different because that little girl, I'm her, I'm her hero. I'm her everything. And I need to be here. I think that's what it was. Wow, that's so powerful. And I'm just thinking to myself, Christ, can you imagine if you'd done something, done, gone the other way, mm. and then Mia gets to 25, 23 or whatever, and she wants to get married, and somebody else is yeah. with her done. Can you imagine? Do you know? I'm, I'm actually got, I'm actually getting a bit of a, a teary moment back here, to be honest. Um, and it and it and it brings me back to the purpose of it, Kizzy. You know, one of the, one of the things I, I, I say, and I'm, I'm more than ever, is that I want to leave a legacy for Mia. You know, I want to I want I wanted to look back in. 10 years time, you know, 16, 17, when she's kind of a, a young lady and she's kind of a whole life in front of her. And I wanted to say that my dad did that. You know? he, didn't, um, he didn't curl up in a ball and let it get to him. He stood up strong and he did it. He did that. And do you know that 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 is worth its weight against everything else? I hear you. Absolutely. Um Let's move into the present, into the here and now. When things don't go as well as you'd like them to, <laughs> how do you stay focused? Um, I've got a great family. I've got a lovely family. And we've added to our family with a dog, <laughs> Loki, uh, the god of mischief. And, you know, as much as he annoys me, He's, the animals are great for your mental health. They're fantastic. And I walk him every day in the morning at night. And it's our time, you know. It's our time. It's, uh, I very rarely take my phone with me. And we just we just walk and, you know, it's time to myself. And you, you're able to think and you put your thoughts back together. But my, my daughter started school. She loves school. When she was when she was given the diagnosis, she we were told, at seven months old, we were told she could have learning difficulties cognitive learning difficulties. She might have problems with walking, her speech, her sight, because all these things are relevant to what chemo uh, chemotherapy does, because we've seen it with our own eyes with other children. So for her to see, to see it develop into a, a wonderful uh, little girl who is embracing life, who has no fear, it, that's, that's the here and now. That's how I deal with the... The, the bad days, the bad weeks. And we do, I do, I have, I have bad days. I wake up and I think I have bad days and I have no idea why I feel so grumpy and so low. Um, 
but I'm able to channel that now into, you know, the dog. I love listening to music. And my daughter, my daughter comes home from school and she's, you know, the first thing she wants to do is old daddy. She wants to hug daddy. And, it, and it's great, you know, from what we've been through to where we are. That's the, that's the present. And I, you know what? I hold on to it and I hold on to it tight. So if you could have one super ability, <laughs> one superpower, what would it be? <sighs> Cure cancer. <laughs> okay, you yeah, that you want that to be your superpower. Imagine, imagine having that power. Imagine being that scientist, that consultant, that whatever in that that moment, and finding that miracle cure. Imagine that your legacy will live on forever. You will be, you'll be the, the, the you'll just be everything, wouldn't you, to everybody. All these families that have gone through life lo- losing loved ones, uh, going through the trauma I've been through. So we can all, you know, we all say, "Oh, I want to be invisible. I want to be able to fly and all that." That's great, you know. They're all great, but let's let's be, you know. I know it sounds all cliche what we're going through, but trust me, that'd be. Wouldn't that just be awesome? Yeah, that would it. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, we've had. I'd love to be invisible. I'd love to be super yeah. strong. I'd yeah. love to, to read people's minds. I had one person say, I'd like to have the power. I'd like to have the ability of super decorum. I'm not sure how that worked, but um, <laughs> being able to cure such a life-threatening illness. So that's, that's got to be something. That's, that's something worth doing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, God, of course, of course I'd love to be able to fly. Wouldn't we all, you know, um, and see, see, maybe see into, but would, you know, we say see into the future, but do we want to see into the future? Do you know what I mean? God, that, is it a scary thought? Maybe you probably, if you could see into the th- future, wouldn't that give you more stress and anxiety and depression than what you've already got? <laughs> mm, yeah, do you know what? I think you're right. If I could see into the future, I would definitely have invested in Amazon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would. You, yeah, I mean, there's obviously very good things that would come out of it. You'd see you would win the, the lottery numbers and all those other things. But look at all the pain and the suffering you would see on top of that. Uh, you know, it, it, oh, no. no. You know, it, everything comes with a price, Kizzy. That's what it is, I think. Everything comes with a price. Absolutely, absolutely. T- talking about the future, if we went into the future, let's say a hundred years from now, when people are talking about the game changer, Simon Colton, and they are discussing you, what would you like them to say about you? Um, uh, a little bit like I touched on, like my daughter said, you know, or, or like her to say, you know, I've left a legacy. Um, you know, I've left. I'd like to leave something that other people can continue to do. Um, and that, and that's invest their time and their uh, knowledge and experience and financial, if they've got it, into good things. You know, um, I went from being a very unempathetic manager director to being one of the most empathetic people on the planet because of my journey. And that's how I want people to see me, that I've gone through that massive change and I give back a lot. I do my talks about men's mental health, which, I, which I'm so proud of, one of the things that's come out of this. Um, so, yeah, in 100 years' time, uh, that's what I want them to see. That's what I want them to read about, that it's the giving back from the brand that has been significant. An admirable goal. And I have a feeling that you don't have to wait 100 years before you smash that, um, <laughs> that, 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 that ambition. <laughs> um, 
my my screen's been flashing for a while saying that we've gone way past the half hour we allocated for our conversation. <laughs> um, before we wrap it up, is there anybody listening to our conversation today that you'd like to say hello to? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's the first two people is Ange, my, my wonderful other half, who's the co-founder. Um, without her being the, the rock that she's been, and the patient lady that she's she is and continues to be, you know, none of this would exist, and I, and I don't think I would exist without her being behind me and, and in front of me, uh, and also my daughter Mia. I mean, she's just she's just my everything. She's she's my why, uh, and and a shout out to my mom and dad. My mom and dad are still here. They're still they're still. I'm blessed with still having them alive. And you know what? Through all this journey, Kizzy, they were soldiers. They come to the hospital every week, if not twice a week. And my mum's in a wheelchair, but it didn't stop them. They used to wash me as clothes. They, they, they were, they've been amazing people. So yeah, they're, they're the people I like to shout out to. And Doug, and Doug Sheridan, he, he, he was a good, he's been a great mentor. Okay, and Mia, Mum and Doug, and Doug, um, this has been an amazing conversation, and I, I think we should get together again in a couple of months' time, and maybe do a second part to our our chat. What do you reckon? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, no problem. But my um, my journey's always changing. <laughs> There's always something in it. So yeah, I'd love to. Done, done. But until then, Simon, it's been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your your insight, your knowledge, your wisdom um, on Kids Friday Game Changers. Really love it. You're welcome. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for the invite. It's been great. Well, Simon's incredibly inspiring story is a great reminder that every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. And here's a lesson that I've learned today, resourcefulness. Resourcefulness is seeing where you want to go and taking the first step, or as in Simon's case, taking one step. Listen, learn, and innovate. Playing us out is Stephanie M. Casey, and this track's called Dreaming Things. See you next week. touch with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
Hi, I'm Johnny Combe, CEO of Pay by Phone UK, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show.